Je suis Vancouveroise de souche. Where does that word come from? I don't know. I, I might be making it up, but if you say it with the accent, it's got to be right. That sounds good. It will soon be coming to a dictionary near you. Yeah. Welcome to We Teach French with your hosts, Kelly Burt and Ingrid Veilleux. We are two podcasters on a learning adventure in French immersion. In each episode, we dive into a different topic in French immersion. Thank you for joining us. So welcome to the pilot episode of We, 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 Teach French. Yay! Here we are. Here we are. I'm Kelly Burt. I'm Ingrid Veilleux. And we are recording from Richmond, BC. Yes, both teaching French immersion. Mm -hmm. So tell me a little bit about how you learned French, your background. How did you end up even teaching in French immersion? That's an interesting question because I was... Born here in Richmond, predominantly Anglophone community. I was never a French immersion student myself. And when Andy Burt moved mm -hmm. to the West Coast from Montreal and headed up the starting of uh, the French immersion program in Richmond, in Richmond yeah. School mm -hmm, District, mm -hmm. I believe at that time, it was in the late 70s, I was probably in about grade four Say French immersion had been available when I was going into kindergarten. Mm -hmm. Would my parents have selected it? Mm. Also kind of connected in an interesting way is that my mother's first language was French. Oh, she grew up interesting in a French speaking family in a French speaking community in Saskatchewan. Ah. Moved out to the West Coast when she was Donc a... elle est franco-saskatchewanaise. <laughs> oui. <laughs> J'ai de la difficulté avec ce mot là. <laughs> and um, she had, you know learned English and then spoke English. My father did not speak any French. Mm. Um, you know thinking back I don't know that my mother would have selected it. Mm. And she never spoke French to me growing up. Oh, that is interesting. So we spoke, we were an English speaking mm. family. Mm -hmm. And then as I was developing this interest in the French language and in high school is really when it started for me. Mm -hmm. And I was thinking back and asking her, why didn't mm -hmm. we speak French at home? Why didn't you speak French to me? And she had two reasons. And one was that my father didn't speak French. Mm -hmm. And secondly, what do you need French for? You mm -hmm. live in Richmond. Mm. That is very yeah. interesting. Yeah. I was born in Vancouver, but my heritage is actually Finnish. But at the time when I was around two or three, my aunt and uncle were living here and my aunt married a Frenchman. So when they were babysitting me, I started picking up French just from this babysitting experience. And when they moved back to France, my mom said, oh, what a shame for Ingrid to lose her French. So she found a bilingual preschool, the Vancouver Bilingual Preschool at 49th and Oak and registered me there. So I went there. And then after that, I guess from the community, um, she heard about French immersion, which she didn't know about previously. So that's sort of where I got started. In terms of my heritage language, both of my parents moved here from Finland in 1961. So they were around 20-ish. And so I grew up speaking Finnish at home. So where did you learn English then? Actually, I was talking to my mom about that this week and I was asking her at what point I had learned my English and my sisters as well. And she said my two older sisters actually went through a phase where they didn't speak English, 
But because they were older than me and in the house, I sort of learned it alongside the Finnish. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what I would have thought. And of course, living in Vancouver, mm-hmm. English is everywhere on your television, on your yeah. radio. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So interesting, right? And then you were surprised the fact I hadn't been in French immersion. Yeah. So how did you develop this level yeah. of proficiency? Because that's what I would have assumed from hearing you speak. It's been a lifelong and ongoing project. Uh-huh. I'm a lifelong learner of the French yes. language. As am I. Yes. <laughs> so when I went to high school, I took core French or French as a second language courses as part of my overall program and I did well with it and I Mm -hmm. thought oh I like this and I had Mm -hmm. some excellent educators so by the time I got to grade 11 I was committing myself to learning the language Uh, between grade 11 and 12 I went to Nice France for a month in the summer there was a a month-long French language program offered by a high school in Ontario. I found it in the Vancouver Sun. Oh. I still remember that day looking at this ad in the paper and saying to my mom and dad, can I go to France this summer? Wow, that's awesome. I love that they encouraged you and sent you. That's great. Yeah, so I went for a month and basically the intent was it was, the promise was you will uh, get the equivalent of French 12 in this month-long course in Nice. And so it was, the teachers came from Ontario. Mm. The students came from across Canada. Ah, Most of them came from the East and Mm. the Maritimes. Mm. A few of us were from British Columbia. Okay. And the the essential program was um, Monday to Friday, uh, an hour, three hours of coursework in the morning. Mm-hmm. So it was an hour of grammar, an hour of literature, an hour okay. of culture, oh. lunch together, and then your yeah. afternoons were free. Mm-hmm. And we had one afternoon excursion a week. And then living for that month in Nice mm-hmm. in a very residential neighborhood. Oh. So every interaction we had in the community was, was in French. So I came yeah. back. And that was really the first opportunity I had to work on my speaking Mm. because prior to that it was grammar translation Mm -hmm. I could read I could Mm -hmm. write very well I could understand written I could read poetry and novels Mm -hmm. but I couldn't speak proficiently so you had a foundation of the language and then it was a perfect opportunity to be immersed in it yeah Mm -hmm. yeah and then I came back and I still took French 12 that fall and I wanted to get the credit get the mark, have the opportunity at that time, which was at the era, to write the scholarship exam. Mm. And I still remember my teacher telling me after I'd been back a couple of weeks and maybe I didn't do well on something, she said, oh, Kelly, it's a good thing that you're taking this class again. <laughs> oh, that's really funny. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I know. I um, So I, I started French immersion. I went through in elementary school and then in partway through grade nine for various reasons, mainly that I was not super interested in school, um, I just switched to an English language school. So in grade 12, I took the French 12. Okay. And I remember my teacher having a similar comment. I think <laughs> she, it was something like I had gotten 97% on the, an exam and she was very disappointed. How disappointing. Yeah. You're such I a was like, this is like the best mark I've ever had in my life. I don't know. It could have been a joke, but I don't know. Yeah. But after I dropped French immersion, mm-hmm. 
my mum again she's kind of a theme here pushing me with my French mm-hmm. um, she signed me up for Alliance Francaise mm-hmm. and that I think was a really great experience for me because I was a teenager probably 16 or 17 in a class with adults and it was probably the first time I was really interacting with non-Finnish adults as well so they were quite different in just their culture and thinking mm-hmm. and then to see people who were just learning the language because they wanted to and it wasn't a class at school that really turned me onto the language and after that I just it just changed my motivation to learn mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. interesting yeah and then after that I did my undergrad in French and I did a couple classes just like summer classes in Montreal and yeah but other than that like I've lived here and learned my French here je suis Vancouveroise de souche where does that word come from I don't know I, I might be making it up but if you say it with the accent it's gotta be right that sounds good it will soon be coming to a dictionary near you yes yes yeah yeah well and similar so after I had graduated from high school I went to Simon Fraser University mm. and I did um, a joint major it was called mm-hmm. uh, in French history and political science oh the three mm-hmm. wow I think the program was designed for people who were thinking about going into government work mm. which is kind of what I thought I might do mm. um, yeah so I took the I took did that program at Simon Fraser University and I went on another immersion six-week bursary program exactly I think that's the one that I did when I went to Montreal yeah I did it after my first year at university it was six weeks in Saint-Georges-de-Beauce oh and I lived with a family and I specifically requested you could have either lived in a student housing Mm. or family it was always about the speaking for me absolutely and so I lived with an elderly couple who didn't Mm. speak English oh that's fantastic yes and what, a, what a rich opportunity. Yes. Yeah. And I still remember, I think it was the day after I arrived, the the gentleman, the father of the family, um, took me to see a parade. And it was a parade of um, those big trucks, like dump trucks oh. and transport trucks. Oh, really? And it was a big event. Oh. And he wanted to take me as this cultural opportunity. Oh. Of course I went, yes. Oh. And I still remember it all these years later. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Small towns can have some pretty interesting <laughs> things. You know? Do you know Shamanus on the island? Yes, the town with all the murals mm-hmm. on Canada. I don't know if they still do it, but we used to be around there for Canada Day, and their Canada Day parade. The highlight of it for me was I can't remember the name of the grocery store, but all the workers would be pushing shopping carts <laughs> up the hill, and there was a band with a drummer, and then someone would whistle, and they would do little formations oh. and like circles, but pushing these shopping carts, and I just got such a kick out of it. That's cute. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Small towns. Yes. Yeah, and then I um, finished my Bachelor of Arts, and I, at that point, I was thinking... Perhaps I would go into teaching. Mm. Then I had a job opportunity in Spain. Oh. And so I went and worked there for about six months. And interestingly, it was working in Spain 
that solidified my desire to become a teacher. Oh, how come? Well, I think that by that point, I was about 22, 23 years old. Mm -hmm. And uh, I started to think on that particular experience that I was in and also reflect upon the previous experiences that I'd had, like I mentioned to you about going to Quebec mm-hmm. and uh, having these opportunities. Yeah. Because um, I'd had a few other immersive experiences that I hadn't mentioned, like a few mm-hmm. here and there. Um, and it basically came down to learning a new language gives you all these pathways to fantastic experiences mm-hmm. in your life. Had mm-hmm. I not spoke, mm-hmm. I took some Spanish in university. Mm-hmm. So the fact that I had enough conversational functional Spanish, I got hired for this job mm-hmm. to go work in Spain. And a previous summer, I'd worked four months in just outside of Quebec City. Oh. And again, it was... Um, it was called the Quebec Alberta Work Exchange, oh. and it was because I had enough French, so I got mm-hmm. hired, and I went and you know improved my French even more. But basically, like I said, I was thinking to myself, "Look at all these wonderful mm-hmm. experiences I've had to work, study, mm-hmm. meet new people, mm-hmm. because I've learned these languages." And mm-hmm. so, if I become a teacher, mm-hmm. then I can hopefully provide those opportunities to mm-hmm. to and, and I think for me too, if when I think back, that's been the best part of learning French, learning Finnish as well, but learning French. Mm-hmm. It took me also outside of my heritage community, and I've met so many interesting people in my life, and even just traveling in France, and, you know, some old lady sits down beside you and, you know, starts telling you her life story. That wouldn't happen if I didn't have the language to understand. So, mm-hmm. yeah, there have been a lot of neat cultural moments yeah Mm -hmm. yeah so I came home from Spain and that was in October uh November and the following spring I started my two-year teaching teacher education program after I finished my practicum and the practicum went very well I was still thinking hmm is teaching for me and I remember the day I knew it was for me it was the first day that I was subbing and there was no one supervising, you know, I was just me working and I really loved the day. And I thought, whew, like, yay, I picked something that I actually <laughs> like. So. Thank goodness it worked out. Yeah. And yeah. here, 24 years later, you know, still mm-hmm. teaching. Mm-hmm. And I was laughing. I was thinking about us podcasting. Mm-hmm. And yeah, what else would teachers do on their summer holidays? Other <laughs> than make a podcast about teaching. Exactly. And I've been working on my TPT. (laughs) Exactly. Side hustles always. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Love it. In terms of your professional experience, I think we've been teaching about the same number of years. Yes. I started teaching in the fall of 1995. Okay. So you're a couple of years ahead of me. Mm -hmm. I think I started in 97. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, 97. 96 or 97. I think it was 97. Yeah, yeah, for the past several years and even this year, I'm thinking, I always say, oh, I've been teaching 25 years. Yeah, me Even too. before it was over. I think it's a little bit over that now, but... Yeah, I think I'm a little bit under, but I've been <laughs> saying I've been teaching for 25 years for a couple of years now. Yes. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And um, so where did you start off your teaching? I did my first year of... My first year of teaching was at Lacombe Upper Elementary School. 
in Lacombe, Alberta, oh, because okay. I had done my teaching degree at the University of Lethbridge. Ah, okay. And when I finished, was finishing the program and I started putting out my applications, yeah. I applied far and wide in mm-hmm. Alberta and BC, and that mm-hmm. was the first offer, sorry, first interview I had, mm-hmm. and I was offered the job. And, and so when you were planning to go into teaching, were mm-hmm. you specifically wanting to teach in French immersion the whole time? No, in fact... I started the program thinking I was going to be a high school French teacher. Thinking back to my own experience Mm -hmm. of learning French as a second or additional language. And then when I got into this program, it was a two-year program, uh, and met the program coordinator. So we had a couple of courses. Then we started talking about practicum placement. And I had put down, I want to teach in a high school. And in fact... Dr. Heffernan said, no, you're going to teach elementary French immersion. Oh, I'm I'm sure my eyes probably popped out of my head because (laughs) I wasn't expecting that. Mm. Uh, And it was because I didn't feel I was sufficiently bilingual, which is, I know, a topic we're going to touch on. That is a topic. That's a very rich topic. It's a big topic. topic. Yeah. Yeah, And I know we'll talk about that in in next episodes, in future episodes. Yeah. So I was pretty nervous about it, but mm-hmm. he had the confidence in me mm-hmm. and put me into a, a French immersion, a grade six early French immersion placement. Yeah. And um, the, so that's, it, it wasn't me thinking I could be a French immersion teacher. Mm-hmm. It was, it was him saying you can be a French immersion teacher. And, mm-hmm. and then that's, so that's how I got there. Wow. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. How about you? Um, yeah, I'm not sure if I should like tell this story now, but I'll just I'll just tell it. We can always edit it out. <laughs> but anyway, um, yeah, I definitely planned on being a French immersion teacher, and so at the time at UBC, you had to do this placement test, or I think it was called Appréciation de la langue française, or something. Is this the famous French language test I've heard of? Yes. Which I've never taken myself because I didn't go through these programs in BC as a teacher, but I've heard of. Yes. And in a strange twist, actually, when I was working on my master's thesis, I spent three months studying this test as part of my coursework in preparation for writing my thesis. So that was interesting. So I did the test. And at the time, I guess they must have asked me, do you mind if we videotape you doing the test and I'm sure I said yes because I'm a yes person so you know fine do some psychological study hook me up to those (laughs) electrodes no problem right anyway so I don't remember that but I'm sure I consented and everything years later I and I passed the test and then I went into French version years later I met someone who was trained to administer the test she said that I am in the training video. I am. And the reason that it's me <laughs> is because apparently I was a borderline case of like just passing the test. Oh. I know. So it was so strange. So for years, whoever administered this test, I don't think they use it anymore, but um, they were re-watching my mistakes and everything. I mean, so it was interesting. Kind of, it was so bizarre to hear that later on yeah Yeah. so that's my story wow (laughs) so I was placed in a French immersion practicum yeah in a grade four or five class yeah and yeah yeah 
Well, interesting, because my first year teaching then, so back at Lacombe Upper Elementary, was a grade four or five mm. split, early French immersion. That was my first year of teaching. And it was, at the time, however they organized it, I want to say like a probationary contract. Okay. You know, as a first year teacher. Oh, okay. And then the principal around spring break offered me a continuing contract. Oh, yeah. But being from the lower mainland, greater mm-hmm. Vancouver... I didn't see my, I looked to the future and I couldn't see myself living out my life in central Alberta. Mm-hmm. And so I refused the mm-hmm. offer. And then from spring break towards the end of that school year, I started getting, <clears throat> applying quite far and wide in the lower mainland with the intent to come back. And mm-hmm. I got hired in July, mm. uh, late French immersion, grade six, Maple Ridge. Oh. So that's my second year then. I was back in BC and went from there yeah mm-hmm. mm. where was your first job my first job was actually at my old elementary school at l'école oh, bilingue yes yes so i toc'd for a couple of months that first year and then um this lady Susie, went on mat leave mm-hmm. my first day of that contract was on halloween she had the baby two days later <laughs> and um oh, it was really delightful so Back then, the mat leaves were half a year, so I was there for oh. half a year. And then I think I taught English as a second language for the last couple months of the year, also at Les Colbilang. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that was yeah. really fun to come full circle to teach in the school where yes. I had gone to school. So. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and after that, that then actually... So this is... So when I went through French immersion, and probably knowing that... The job prospects are quite good if you're a French immersion teacher. Supposedly, you're going to be hired right away, full-time contract. So this is what I was expecting in my first year. First year comes along. I'm hired first to the TOC list. I apply to all these continuing positions. I couldn't believe I did not get a continuing position immediately. I was so shocked. I had no idea how the system worked. So I got the temp contracts or the temp contract that first year. And then the second year, um, I think I was offered like three continuing contracts at the same time, but I didn't realize you have to build up a little bit of seniority first, even if you are in a field where you're in demand. Right. So, so then in my second year, I came to Richmond and I've been teaching in Richmond ever since. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Interesting. You know, I've never been a teacher on call. Ooh. Not one day. Ooh. Which I think goes back to your comment about the in-demand mm-hmm. piece. So I was fully prepared to do it, I suppose, if that had been the yeah the case. But I got that job in Maple Ridge. And um, yeah, so I taught in Maple Ridge in late immersion for three years. Mm-hmm. Grade 6, grade 7, grade 6. And then I taught at Maple Ridge Secondary because mm. I thought... Remember that dream I had to be a high school French yeah, teacher? Yeah. Now's the opportunity. Why don't I go try it? And the dream came true. Well, I don't know if I'd call it a dream. <laughs> <laughs> I did that for two and a half or three and a half years. Yeah. And I was teaching some core French. Yeah. Um, and some French immersion courses. Yeah. And then midway through my last year at that school in December... Uh, a job opportunity came up in Delta School District mm. to be, the t- job title was Modern Languages Coordinator. Mm. 
I think many school districts call them consultants mm-hmm. who are teachers basically seconded from the classroom yeah. to work across the district supporting, in this case, French immersion. And my, my portfolio is supporting French immersion and all second language education. Mm. Uh, so I was pretty shocked I got hired for that job mm. because I, was, I felt like I was so young and inexperienced. Mm. I'd been teaching, I think, a total of maybe five or six years at that point Mm. but I think and maybe this speaks to like within where my career has gone since then was even in that short amount of time I had taught early French immersion late French immersion Mm -hmm. high school Mm -hmm. and so I think when Delta hired me they looked and said she's had experience with Mm -hmm. all the second language kind of scenarios and brings that experience then to work across the district and so uh, I left Maple Ridge, uh, went to Delta, did that for a few years. Also working outside, not teaching kids, but supporting teachers. And then after a few years, I was itching to get back in the classroom. Mm. And so I taught grade five early French immersion mm. at Sunshine Hills Elementary in North okay. Delta. Yeah. And it was good being the coordinator because I had built relationships with all the French immersion Mm. schools and French immersion teachers. And so I knew the community. I knew the school I was going to. And I had intended to teach for a few years. Mm -hmm. And then Christmas or just after Christmas of that year, this job opportunity came up at Simon Fraser University. Mm. (laughs) And so uh, I left Delta School District and went to Simon Fraser into... um, what was called field studies in the Department yeah. of Education yeah. and work with teachers in their uh, working on diplomas. And I also did yeah. non-credit basic teacher in service yeah. in French language across, B- across BC, I'll say. But I mean, I went as far as Vancouver Island and Kelowna, but mostly mm. in the lower mainland. And I did that for, again, about, about another three years. Mm-hmm. And I was enrolled in that program. Right. I believe, because I did my, after I did my master's, um, master's degree. Yeah. Then I enrolled in the plus 30 diploma. Yeah. Through SFU. So that was probably right. when you were the coordinator. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then I was a mentor in that program for a year. And that's when I first heard your name because yeah. I was, um, we had started uh, a French second language diploma in Richmond School District because everything mm-hmm. was done in conjunction and in cooperation with a school district to host it. And we were looking for mentors and I remember them saying, well, is Ingrid Veilleux available to be a mentor? And you were not. We had other mentors. Yeah. Oh, and I'd forgotten. So before, before, while I was coordinator back in Delta, that's when I did yeah. my master's degree. Okay. Through UBC. And what so, was that topic, just briefly? Yeah, it was, uh, started off as just literacy education. Okay. The piece of advice I had was to select a master's in an area that you're not already having teacher expertise because mm. I always thought oh, oh I'll do it in French education and they said but mm. you already have that background mm. oh, so uh, you should do it in another domain and so I selected this one in literacy just mm-hmm. sort of overall mm-hmm. and then there was a lot of people in the group who wanted to also take numeracy classes mm. and so it became a literacy numeracy style mm. masters which was great because it totally overhauled my math teaching Mm. the before and after is black and white from taking those classes for me as a math teacher so uh, that was the master's program and then while I was working at SFU is when I started the PhD yeah yeah but I was still working full-time so yeah 
I finished my secondment at SFU, came back to Delta School District as a teacher for five years in late French immersion, grade six again. And that's the longest I've ever been in any one oh. place teaching oh, the same really? thing. Oh. And it was at that time that I finally wrapped up the, mm-hmm. the PhD. Mm. And after that, I went to UBC and did the secondment to teacher education for three years. Yeah. Working with teacher candidates. Yeah. And then finally, <laughs> after that was over, here I am in Richmond School District. Yeah. So interesting. I've... You know, having grown up here, being educated K to 12 here, and now I'm back here as a teacher all these years later. Mm -hmm. But it was through my work at SFU and UBC where I was working with educators, schools, administrators in Mm -hmm. Richmond School District. And I thought, this looks like a great place to work and be a Mm -hmm. teacher. Mm -hmm. And so when UBC was wrapping up, Mm -hmm. um, I applied and was hired to Richmond School District. So this will be the end of my second year here. But so was it May or June when you first came to me with your idea for a podcast? Oh, that's a good question. I'm not sure whether it was the probably the end of May, if I had to say. Mm-hmm. And um, the reason I was thinking about the podcast was I was just thinking we've had actually a lot of uh, similar professional experiences, um, mentoring teachers collaborating a lot with other teachers and combined we have about 50 years of teaching experience and so I have recently bought a new phone and part of the joy of my new phone is I've discovered podcasts and how much I enjoy listening to them so I approached you and said I'm thinking this would be a super cool project because I feel like our communication and our collaboration is very seamless. Um, And so I suggested the idea of this podcast. And yeah, we kind of mulled it over for a few weeks. And by the end of the year, we had agreed we're just going to go for it and do it. Yeah. It's a deep dive into all of the questions, joys, pains, incertitudes, incertitudes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know if that's yeah. the word. Issues, yeah. approaches, ideologies, just theory. All, yeah. Even everything from theory to practical tips. Yeah. All of that, just um, what does it mean to be a French immersion teacher? How do you keep showing up every day? And what do you have to grapple with? There's definitely similarities to any other classroom I mean there's people and there's the teacher but there are things that are specific to French immersion yeah so I'm just really excited to explore that and to dive into some of these questions so and it connects with identity and all kinds of topics so I hope my hope as well for this podcast is that this will be a discussion forum for the larger French immersion community that we can invite other people to join us to give us feedback to ask questions or to tell us their stories so that it connects French immersion teachers really across Canada um, because it can be quite isolating especially if you're in a dual track school maybe there aren't very many 
uh, French immersion teachers in that school, or just for whatever reason, it does build a sense of community to hear other people's stories. And yeah, well, that sounds great. So what kind of topics do we have on the menu for We Teach French in the upcoming weeks? Yes, well, we have so many topics. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting, even just looking at one of the first topics I know we want to get into regarding the principle of target language only Mm -hmm, in mm -hmm. a French immersion classroom. Even when I started thinking about that topic, I thought, oh my goodness, I could talk and have a conversation about this for hours and Mm -hmm. it branches off in so many areas. Mm -hmm. So perhaps that's what's going to happen is once we start a conversation, it might go go interesting places. But I know we want to talk about the French immersion teacher Mm -hmm. and things that we wrestle with in terms of our own bilingualism and our Mm -hmm. identity, our identities as, as French immersion educators. And also we want to talk about our pedagogy and our teaching and what are our approaches? What are our strategies? What, what's our take on homework? What is the place of homework in the program? How about assessment and evaluation? These are big universal topics in, in education, but always with our French immersion lens, looking at those sorts of things. I know we want to do, um, some top 10 lists. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And, um, oh, I like this one. What if I make a mistake or don't know a word when I'm teaching? Mm-hmm. That happens to me all the time. So mm-hmm. I know we'll have lots to say about that. And we also thought too that um, so, uh, some good topics might be focused for people, young teachers in their first five years of teaching. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know you touched on it uh in a previous comment there that you said and it made me think immediately of the French immersion teachers that I have known that have left French immersion Mm, and gone into teaching in an English classroom Mm -hmm. and so I always am thinking of because I know recruitment and retention Mm -hmm. that'll probably be another topic Mm -hmm. is uh, particularly challenging in French immersion programs across Canada I know Canadian Parents for French are always publishing studies and articles related to that. Uh, and so, yeah, thinking about reaching out to those younger teachers, like you're saying, mm-hmm. we've been here 25 or so years. Yeah. And when we're reaching out to the younger teachers, um, what what role might we be able to play in supporting them mm-hmm. and keeping them engaged and staying in this mm-hmm. program? Because ultimately, it's, for me, the reason why I'm still here is it was so rewarding. Absolutely. I agree. And I find I'm so happy that I have had a career and continue to have a career teaching in French immersion. Even the little notes I got at the end of this year and just the students, they they are really taking a risk when they start the year not speaking French or, you know, with whatever experience and then charting their progress, celebrating their progress over the course of the year and it's just lovely to take a moment to acknowledge that and to see that year after year. It's so validating. So, yeah, I really, I really see that as our purpose is supporting teachers, new teachers, more experienced teachers, and just kind of walking alongside them for the journey. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Kelly, for our listeners, Mm -hmm. they might not know the difference. You were mentioning late French immersion, early French immersion. Do you mind just recapping what is the difference between early and late French immersion? Right. So early French immersion is when students begin in kindergarten in the French immersion program. So they will um, start kindergarten with a French-speaking teacher and off they go and their elementary experience at school will be in French, predominantly in French. Whereas late French immersion is when the students begin their French immersion experience in Richmond School District, in most school districts in British Columbia, in grade six. Mm -hmm. So they will have been in an English language classroom, K to five. We're going to presume in grade five, they had a little bit of core French instruction, and then they and their families make that decision, make that choice to start late French immersion in grade six. And I, someone said this once, and I this always sticks in my mind, one way to think of it is early immersion is the parent's choice, late immersion is the children's choice. In most cases. In most cases, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, that's the hope. That's yeah. The hope. And then... Um, just to wrap it up, I guess that is the then the intent would be when in Richmond these students go into grade eight mm-hmm. in high school, the kids who have been in a late French immersion program and early French immersion all feed into the same grade eight class, have the same high school experience. So I know one thing I'm keeping in mind as a teacher as I'm thinking about these students two year in late immersion, grade six and grade seven, two year immersive experience that's going to give them the ability to join in with kids who've been from kindergarten and to have a successful high school experience in French. Mm-hmm. Yeah, And it's amazing that they can do that. I know. Yeah. So this is who we are. Yep. And we'd love to hear from whoever is tuning into the show. We'd love to know who you are. Yes. We're so glad that you tuned in and joined us today on our pilot episode. And... Um, Next week, I think we're going to be talking about L1 in the classroom. Yes. So, or target language. Should yes. we only use our target language in the classroom? Yeah. And do we let do we let our students speak English in a French immersion classroom? Where Ooh, do you la stand la. on that? Voila, voila. Yeah, we yeah. oui know. Yeah. <laughs> so thanks so much for tuning in to our um, first episode and Kelly it has been a delight as always I'm so glad we're taking this first step on our journey <laughs> the pleasure is all mine yay <laughs> à la prochaine à la prochaine